freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> morning, everybody. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app, and all the podcast platforms. Welcome to the show today. Welcome to the beginning of Seahawks training camp. It is now underway as of yesterday. Practices have been had. Holdouts have been started. Pup lists have been generated and people placed on them and the clock ticking on various players. Mora has been sweating at practice, which is great. Nice job, Mora. Who was more sweaty, you or the average defensive lineman yesterday? I would hope that you like. Okay, good. You. I have to say, uh, sorry to him for, for putting this out there, but um, we did an interview right after practice once with Ethan Posick, oh, and that's the Lord. most sweat I've ever seen. From <laughs> like, after he got up, I was like, the headphones were covered in sweat, the desk, the chair. I mean, I guess you it is right after practice, but it was... It was a lot. It was impressive. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, you know, he's working hard out there. He's a big dude, carrying a lot of weight around in a in a warm day. Can you imagine what that's like, by the way, for some of the teams? You know, you practice in Dallas, you practice oh, Miami, right? I mean, like, yeah. yeah, or or even just some of the Midwest teams. I mean, like just seeing the game yesterday for the Mariners in Minnesota this time of year during the day. You go to Vikings practice or even Packers practice, Bears practice. You ever been to Chicago on a humid summer day? Whole my We're lucky we don't God. have the humidity like that. Yeah. It is intense. New Orleans. I mean, yeah. like DC. There are some yeah, DC. I've lived there in the summer. It is a swamp, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there are some really humid parts to this country. So right. this is pretty nice. When you when you think about all of that, and then think about those guys yesterday with the lake right there and the bald eagle circling and you know more sweating next to the sorry more i'm i've really focused <laughs> it too really much wasn't that bad i was telling well, him that like i'm i'm usually cold everywhere i go except for i'm always hot at seahawks practice so i should have known my phone weather app said it was gonna be like 72 yesterday and it was like 80 so yeah, I, was, I, did, I didn't dress appropriately. I didn't want to tell you, but I'd actually heard about it from some other people. I, I know you were oh, telling me about problem. it right before the show. <laughs> I had actually heard about that a little bit um, yesterday. I did about, give out a few hugs. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have. Well, you know, we can talk later. But I, I, I think there's <laughs> there's some ideas we, we have for you to, to help with the sweating. So. Are we talking aliens this morning? Huh? We could be. Aliens? What a yeah. day yesterday. For what what happened? Oh, you need to dig in. <laughs> what happened? I, it's too much to get into right now. They find aliens? Oh, yeah. Where? Basically, conf- like confirmed. I can't get into it. Was it this was- the thing about like the thing that looked like it might have been from an alien ship on Mars? Was that it? No. Oh, it was like no. a whole Senate hearing with yeah. a former Air Force intelligence officer saying confirming that they. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. There's well, a, that's exciting. It's, it's long. I could send you the whole hour and a half <laughs> really? thing. My buddies and I were in a text thread yesterday about it. It's wow. Long. Yeah. Well, that sounds very exciting. All right, yeah, let me know about that. Um, <laughs> it does seem to make sense that on a day where Dylan Moore hits two home runs and the Mariners win eight to seven. Something and, extraterrestrial. Right. <laughs> something seems to be happening. Julio's hitting again all of a sudden. He's just smoking the ball, it seems like, every time he comes up. And yeah, it's really amazing. When the Mariners' good players play good, they're good. Isn't that weird? I mean, it like kind of blows yeah. my mind. That's as crazy as aliens. When the Mariners' good players play good, which I know is poor English, they're good. 
Now Sorry. can the pitching get back to good? Like, it's really just that simple. And I know there have been some other things that help. Colton Wong has certainly been a lot better recently. He doesn't even look incompetent. He looks like a major league player again. Maybe not quite like the guy they thought they were getting, but at least like a competent major leaguer. Mariners are realistic. I know this sounds stupid. They are realistically a blown save from one of the best bullpens around and one fly ball away from winning seven straight games. You realize that? Wow. Yeah, they're 5-1-1 in their last series, too. I mean, they are literally a blown save and a better at bat away from having won seven straight games. Now, you could probably also look at it and say they're like four moves away from having gone like two and five during that same stretch. So, like, I understand there's a balance to I these things. I heard Service say something like that. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah. true. He's he's not wrong. Like, he's like, yeah, we could have gone either way, but we... Well, we won. They're starting to win more of these games. And Munoz gets it done yesterday. And Seawald has been so good during this stretch. We'll see what happens, you know, in the next couple of days before the deadline. I'll tell you, I would hate. I would hate. Although I would love to be in Jerry and Justin's shoes right now. This team has just not made it obvious what they should do. So all day, every day, you know, Jerry's going to join us at 830 this morning. Those guys are fielding calls, and they have to be ready by Tuesday to move in any direction. They've got to be ready to sell. I keep hearing about what could potentially be available for Paul Seawald. Yikes, it's a lot. Like, it's one of those things you're like, God, I really don't want to hurt Seawald, but, like, there could be a lot available for him. Like, you want your next first baseman? You want your next third baseman? Second baseman? Maybe. I mean, like, you want your next, like, major league ready kind of talent? I'm not talking 18-year-old kids. Like, you want major league talent? Could be available for Paul Seawald. We don't talk about him enough, but he's been phenomenal this year. Not just I mean, this year. A team that's in need, I can see definitely see them giving Overpaying. There's not that much reliever, you know, there's not, not that much bullpen help out there. And Paul's now going on his third year of sustained success in the bullpen. That makes you real. Like the one up, one down guys, like whatever. Three years in a row, you're a legit reliever. You are a power, well, he's not a power arm, but he is a a high leverage arm for late in games. That's got a lot of value because, oh, by the way, team gets him for next year as well. So, yeah, Paul Seawald's got some real value, and you got to be ready to sell. If you look at this and say, yeah. Eight games out or whatever that number is next Tuesday. We just can't do this as much as I don't want to give up. You just you got to do the right thing. On the other hand, you know, Texas ends up coming back to win that game yesterday, but they lose. They were down three nothing early. And you're what? Six and a half out in the division and, and four and a half out in the wild card. That's not exactly insurmountable. There are teams refusing to sell who are farther out than that. So, you know, that 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 tell like if that's the case where you're going to give up on this season on this group of guys that showed you last year what they were capable of, I don't think I could do that. And oh by the way, there's lots of scenarios in the middle. Here's the biggest problem the Mariners have right now. There really aren't any sellers. There are almost no sellers other than teams that are willing to give up on players for the next 2 months. So for the extreme buyers and the extreme sellers, I guess there's a match to be made on two-month rentals. For the guys that the Mariners are looking for, for the players like Luis Castillo that they traded for last year, 
there just aren't a lot of teams that are out there and interested in doing that. I mean, even even St. Louis, I'm going on in St. Louis later today, and I was chatting with some people there, and this backs up what I've been hearing behind the scenes. St. Louis has like five guys that would be a perfect fit for the Mariners. Everybody from Brandon Donovan to uh, Paul Goldschmidt to who? Lars Newbar. Lars Newbar. Absolutely. There's three guys that would be good fits here in, in Seattle. They're not looking to trade any of those guys. Yeah, those are the. That's what we heard from passing month, two months ago. They're, St. Like, Louis notorious for kind of waiting and saying they're going to deal, but then never actually doing it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see where all of these names go. Like, I mean, I love Ian Happ, but he signed a hometown discount deal in Chicago. I don't think he's going anywhere, right? Bellinger, we've mentioned that name a couple of times. It's an interesting one. Right. He's he's only a two month rental. Maybe you could convince him to stay here and sign here if he helps. Here's the problem. He's a Boris guy. So does that does that tell you that he's going to either be open to an extension, open to sticking around beyond one? No, of course not. Right. A Boris guy is going to get to the market as soon as he can every time, especially after a significantly better year for a former MVP. So they're in a little bit of a tough spot. I don't know that there's like an obvious deal for an obvious guy. Thankfully, that's where Jerry and Justin have done a lot of damage in the past. They've been really good at identifying off-the-radar players, bringing them in and and allowing them to compete and get better. Hopefully that happens again because I think you look at it now. And now you've got the Angels committing to buying. Well, They got after it last night. They sure did. Lucas Giolito, and they're, they're going all in, which is exactly what they should do, by the way. I don't like to give any credit. If you had two months left, like do it. You got to try to convince him to stay. I mean, this is what I've been saying all along. It's why I've never believed he would get dealt. Anything you can do to convince him to stay, you have to try to do. And if that means giving up on some of your farm system to try to make the playoffs and let him experience what 75 fans looks like in Anaheim when they're all waving those stupid thunder sticks together, <laughs> like you've got to do that and do whatever you can to get that guy to stay in your town. So it's going to be a really, really fun next few days, man. Jerry's going to join us at 830. I'm going to guess that he is not sleeping a lot right now because while he loves the Mariners winning these games, he just wants them to commit in one direction or the other. Either be good or be bad. But stop being in between because it's got to be making his his job very, very difficult. We'll come right back, give you the latest on uh, Mora's favorite Seahawks player, on Devin Witherspoon. The Seahawks are in the Mariners win yesterday as well. It's all coming up next. I'm Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Football is officially back in Seattle. Day one of training camp in the books and mostly pretty good one. Geno Smith picked up right where he left left off. Bobby Wagner felt all the love from the fans, which was great. Unfortunately, on the other side of it, Brock's prediction proved accurate. First round pick Devin Witherspoon didn't practice, wasn't there with his team, and they could not agree on a contract. Pete Carroll was asked about him afterwards. Yeah, um, he, he's not here today. Um, he he knows everything he needs to know. I think uh, I can't imagine he won't be here very soon, like right away. Like right away. Pete, very clear on, uh, I think, what he would like to manifest into the world as opposed to what may actually happen. Who knows? I actually tend to agree with him. How, how hard could this be to work out? They're not disagreeing on money. They're not disagreeing on how much is guaranteed. They're just trying to figure out when the money gets paid out. 
how long could that possibly last as a battle? Meanwhile, they did make some decisions. No surprise, both Jordan Brooks and Jamal Adams are not ready to go just yet. Okay, both those guys are pupy, and uh, um, they, they're in different situations. They have their own unique situations. Both guys come in really in really good shape. They're really, I mean, they're they're close to being ready. Um, it's it, none of us, meaning our side of it and the player side of it. We we don't want to push it until it's, you know, we get more information here. Take our time, you know, judge judge our way through this thing and make sure we really take care of them. So that's what we're doing, and so that's why it's it. We, we were. Uh, counted on the PUP thing with those guys. It makes sense, and a few other guys on there as well. Moore is going to go through a full slate of training camp takeaways at 6.45, so in about 25 minutes from now. But one guy that you got to love watching is the other first-round pick, the one who is there, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Pete, very impressed. He's as natural as a guy can be. Feel, uh, movement, hand-eye, timing, off the, like getting off the ground at the time of the ball. He's just as natural as you can be. We'll be able to really count on him. And once he gets settled and he understands what's going on, he has all the adjustments, uh, and he and G get enough time to work together, he's going to be a really good factor. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, Meanwhile, we did get a couple more Seahawks on the top 100 list for NFL Network. Geno Smith, number 77. I saw him retweeting that yesterday. He seemed excited. Tariq Woolen, number 76. He went out and even said, hey, like I used to come home and watch this. Now I'm actually on the list. That's great. So unlike DK Metcalf and some others who have been, uh, I don't know, screwed, uh, it's nice to see a couple guys who are at least happy to find their way onto that list. Here's the second thing you need to know. DK coming up here in about 10 minutes as well. Don't look right now, but after a couple of horrifying losses, the Mariners are actually putting together a nice little run. They win again yesterday, 8-7 in Minnesota. They take another series. They've won five of their last seven games. They're realistically a blown save and a sack fly away from having won seven straight games. Just amazing during that time. You know what they're averaging per game? 5.4 runs. They're hitting. Kind of crazy. They look you know, kind of like the team they were built to be. Hopefully I'm not jinxing anything by saying it. It means Dylan Moore is hitting. We saw that yesterday. Two outs, the 2-2 pitch. Swing and it's hit on a line. Driven deep out to left field. Poked well and gone. Home run on a line. Dylan Moore. That was smacked to left. He has given the Mariners now a 2 nothing lead, a two-out, two-strike bomb by Dylan. Yeah, he hit another one later, so two home runs on the day for Dylan Moore, filling in for J.P. Crawford. It means Colton Wong came up with another key hit yesterday to drive in a run, keep the line moving. Tom Murphy showing more power. He's hitting 275 as well. And it means the guys at the top are just leading the way. Julio with another good day. Gino, Teo, those three went 5 for 14 with three runs driven in and a home run. Scott, pretty impressed with what Julio is doing all of a sudden. Julio is starting to put that stretch together we've all been waiting for this year. And when it does, when he does, it's special. Like he changes the game. Um, swinging the bat, running the bases, you know, the hustle double there, getting us the extra run. At the time, you think we're okay. And we needed every, every run we had today. Yeah, they sure did. It uh, got a little dicey late, but they uh, do end up winning. Day off today, then in Arizona for 3 Mariners do make a small deal also yesterday. They acquire right-hander Trent Thornton from Toronto. Corresponding move, unfortunately, was sending Marco Gonzalez to the 60-day IL. His season's probably over, I would think. Thornton, kind of a spot starter, and unlike Tommy Malone, who's done well in that job, he has options left this season, so you can send him down, up and down, as much as you need to for the rest of this year, which I Obviously has some value for the team. 
Here's the third thing you need to know. All right, I'll admit my death knell meter has been a little bit off this week because ever since I mentioned that, the Mariners have played their best baseball maybe of the year. But the news coming out yesterday that Colorado is heading back to the Big 12. I don't know if it's a death knell, but it sure doesn't seem great for what is now the Pac-9. Are they a big draw, Colorado? No. And they've always kind of felt like a mismatch in this conference, at least to me. But it just has that feel of rats jumping off a sinking ship, right? Like anybody who can get out of here, get out of here. USC's gone. UCLA's gone. Now Colorado's gone. No TV network wants to touch this. It cannot be comfortable for the remaining nine schools. And I know the rural schools like Wazoo and Oregon State are kind of in the worst spot of anybody, but... I still think the bigger market colleges can't be happy either. The Big Ten saying yesterday that they weren't looking to get any bigger. So I don't know where everybody goes. I don't know how this ends up working out. But the Pac-9 does not have a great ring to it right now. Brock will have a whole lot more on this at 7.15. That's everything you need to know. And we do that quarter pass to every hour. I think we're going to spend a little Blue 88 time on that today as well. It really is ugly, especially when you think about Larry Scott. I, I was kind of tweeting with Brock about it last night. I mean, I, I know that I know that we talked a lot about what an awful commissioner he was at the time. I mean, I personally ranted and raved about it and how ridiculous it was. I couldn't get the games on on uh, on DirecTV and everything else. But when you really, like, figure out how long the tail is, right? Like, I, I always think about that little scene in uh, in uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, Lord, Lord of the Rings, after Gandalf stops the fire monster, right? And it looks like he's won, but there's got that tail oh, that snaps yeah. back up and yeah. just catches him. The whip, the tail of the whip. That kind of what this feels like. Like, yeah, you've ousted Larry Scott, and the mistakes he made were five, six, seven years ago, but you're still paying for them now. That's how long the the tale is. And I think what you're seeing here over the last couple of days and throughout this whole offseason is all part of his horrifying legacy. I don't know how the guy sleeps at night. I mean, he essentially destroyed the Conference of Champions, and I don't know what they're going to do to get that back. All right. Pete Carroll uh, was really, really excited about what he saw yesterday. Of course, he said he was really excited, really jacked. Mora is going to give us her thoughts on what she saw at practice right after we hear from our guy, DK Metcalf. There's one thing to have like a little forward fashion sense. It's another to do it at Men's Warehouse, but DK's got his own style, and he tells us about that and a whole lot more coming up next. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Looking forward to talking to DK Metcalf, which we will do here in just a couple of minutes. Seahawks are starting practicing today first yes. practice of the season real practices training camp practice now they're not hitting yet or anything mm-hmm. like that but for the first time uh we will see this team out there and practicing and you know dk's arguably their best player right i mean mm-hmm. he was the only guy on the team who made the top 10 at any position according to espn uh he was somehow just outside the top 100 which i still think is ridiculous according to nfl network but you know, he's got that game-breaking ability that very few in the league have. Yeah, just a size, strength, speed quotient that is really unique. And off of that playoff loss, those words of Pete Carroll still resonate to me when he talked about that 49er front seven and just guys that are different than everybody else. 
and DK is that guy. He's number one on that list for the Seahawks. Being able to do things on a field with his frame and his size that others just cannot do in the impact that has. And now going to be benefited by Jackson inside, Tyler on the other side. I think going to see a lot more one-on-one coverage because of it and a chance to be even that much more dominant. We talked about a developmental program, right, and how you know Pete needs that. And we talked about a lot of guys that have developed in their time in Seattle. You put DK on that list? No, absolutely. I think I would, right? I mean, some of the question marks when he first came in, can he run routes? Is he just a physical guy or, or does he have all the other stuff? Watching him, I don't feel like he's ever really had that problem. And I think you got to give some of the credit to the development here, him for doing the work and the coaching mm-hmm. staff for helping him and what to do. Yeah, I, well, Phil Longo's system at Ole Miss was one that had like three routes in the tree. It's like a go and a slant and a hitch. I mean, it just wasn't – it was not an NFL system at all. And, and I've told the story before of doing a, doing some work in a PSA in the in the indoor facility that got me in there like late at night. And who's over there catching tennis balls – on on the jugs machine, right? Who who was the one doing the extra work there as a rookie, a second year player? Who was the one attached to to Russell's hip at, at any time Russell was training? It was DK Metcalf, and yeah, I think the the contract and the reward last year is a is a is a statement to that development over the course of his four years. All right, well, let's bring him on right now, DK Metcalf, our first training camp guest of the season. Mm. DK, thanks for being with us. Good to have you. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for having me. Man, so everything feels, at least from our perspective, very different from last year. You had all these questions, and Russ was gone, and weren't sure who the quarterback was going to be. Now you're in year two. You know that Gino is your guy. How do you expect that to go in year two with him? Um, I think just building on last year, uh, I think we ended in a in a good spot. Um, you know, making the playoffs and and going on a little uh, you know run with the team that we had. Um, you know, in the building, but uh, with the additional pieces that we had added this offseason, uh, you know, sign some guys to, you know, longer term deals. So uh, just excited just to get back to work um, and just build on last year. What do you Compare- like? I'm sorry, just quickly. What do you like about what what Gino does? What do you like about the way he throws you the ball? Um, I mean, he, Gino's going to be Gino. He, he didn't, you know, try to come in and, and try to, uh, you know, be anybody else but himself. So I think he, he knows himself and he knows how to throw the football. He knows uh, how to be accurate and, and just be himself. Um, and, you know, that's what I think, uh, you know, got him the starting role, uh, you know, at the end of camp. And um, he just built on it from, you know, from the time that he was a backup to, you know, earning his uh, starting spot. So I think it was just him just being competitive in practice and, and not just, you know, letting the, the outside noise get to him. You remember this day five years ago, your first training camp? Uh, I mean, it does not feel like five years uh, <laughs> has gone by, but, uh, you know, just a blessing just to, you know, still be in this position and, and still being able to play at a high level. Compare and contrast DK Metcalf, the rookie, versus DK Metcalf, the fifth-year pro. Um, I think uh, I would I would um, compare and contrast it, but I'm still, I still have the same hunger, uh, the, same, the same drive, but um, my mentality is different. Uh, in, in the aspect of how I approach the game. Uh, I know I have, uh, you know, a bunch of rich, rookies behind me, uh, you know, asking me a lot of questions. So is this kind of transitioning to the, all right, I'm not the young guy anymore. Um, you know, I'm answering questions for the young guy. So, you know, just taking what Bobby and Russ and, you know, Locke have taught me, you know, my first few years in the league and just applying it to my life and, you know, giving them the same, uh, you know, bits and pieces of information they gave me. We, we heard you talk a little bit about leadership uh, a couple of weeks ago on, on one of the podcasts and talking about how you learned a little bit about yourself and the style of leadership that is that works for you. What did you learn? 
Um, you know, I'm not the talkative person that that's going to get you hyped before a game. Uh, you know, I like my actions to speak louder than my words. So, you know, just how I approach practice and how I practice, uh, you know, a lot of people feed off of that. A lot of people are, are going to watch how I do things and, uh, you know, just to try to put my best foot forward for them to try to mimic me, um, you know, so they can be the best, uh, best uh, person that they can be, you know, at practice and then translate it to the game. Did you need to learn that last year in the absence of Bobby and Russ and the leadership and the captains that walked out that door? Did you kind of, with that void of some of that leadership, need to learn a little bit about who you were and how you went about it? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, I think it's better, uh, you know, in year four than, you know, year five, six or seven uh, that I learned that. So, um, you know, I, I know a little bit more about myself and how I need to approach the game more uh, this year than, you know, I, I've ever learned, uh, you know, in the previous years because, um, you know, we've always I've always had dogs around me, uh, whether that's going back to high school, college or when I first got here. So uh, I think learning that in year four really just helped me, you know, you know, develop my skills and, uh, you know, my personality and uh, just who I am on and off the field. All right, I got to apologize in advance because I got like mm. four questions in a row here that are all about <laughs> respect. And I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be like, you know, the, the typical media guy trying to elicit a reaction that's going to get you in trouble or anything like that. But. But I mean, all of these, you're 101st, according to the NFL Network list that just started to come out yesterday, 101st. That doesn't seem like an accurate reflection to me. What was your reaction when you heard that? Um, I mean, you know, it's none of my business, uh, you know, what other people think about me. I think very highly of myself and the type of player that I am. And, uh, you know, the only thing I care about is, you know, how, you know, Gino, my O-line and, uh, other receivers and other peers uh, in, inside this building think of me, um, you know, especially, you know, I, I wouldn't think Pete Carroll would, would put me at 101st. So, you know, that's all I care about. Good. That's a great answer. And we'll we'll make the argument for you so you don't have to. And we'll let you argue in favor of a few of your teammates who I think also got screwed. Quandre, right. Bobby. How did, how, I mean, like, neither of those guys are considered top 10 at their position. Quandre, 110th in the league. Why don't they get more respect? Uh, I think people, uh, you know, we're too far away from a lot of the people in the, in the rest of the U.S. for them to really pay attention to us. So, um, I mean, I, I just liked how they keep doubting us and, you know, keep disrespecting us because they're not going to be, you know, expect us to, you know, be great or do great things, you know, sort of like how we did last year when, you know, they didn't expect us to make the playoffs and we did. So, you know, the, the noise is going to always be there. Uh, we just have to hush it up, you know. Because you don't care that outside noise, is that why you roll with tuxedo shorts? All right. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I can wear what I want to wear and, you know, not care what everybody else thinks. Where do you buy tuxedo shorts? Um, like, you got to buy the pants and then they got to cut them for you. Oh, so you got to go to a <laughs> yeah. tailor? Uh, well, I was at Marin's Warehouse. You know, I didn't really didn't go to a tailor. So, <laughs> so how many? Hold on a minute. Hold on. You're DK Metcalf. You go to Men's Warehouse to what? Rent a tux? No, I bought the tux. Okay, so you buy a tux. Yes, sir. And you're like, hey, and by the way, if you haven't seen this, this was at, whose wedding was this? Tyler. Was Lock, Lock at Lockett's wedding. wedding. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. you're wearing a shorts, a tuxedo short getup. No doubt why Brock, I think, suggested it was to take the onus away from Lockett's hair, but that doesn't seem whoa, right. Whoa, you wow. said it. That's whoa. okay. I, don't, I didn't think that was right. I'm sorry to sorry to repeat that. That's crazy. So you go, you go, to, you go to Men's Warehouse, you buy a tux, and you say, hey, would you mind cutting this down to shorts length? Mm-hmm. And they had no problem doing it. They had the little chalk lined it up and, and tailored it for me, so I told them appreciate it and thank you and, and gave them their bills and walked out. Where did you get the idea for that? 
Um, I saw LeBron do it a couple years ago with uh, uh-huh. I think it was the Met Gala. So uh, uh-huh. you know he he was an inspiration for that outfit. I would say. I mean, there's a long conversation here, but I do want to get back to football because you got to run to a meeting. <laughs> Are you sure. In a couple minutes. I, I think do. this is more interesting uh, than anything he's going to say about football. I do. I, I want to talk about one of those rookies that, that you mentioned there that, that are looking up to you. For for the Hawks fans that are going to sit on that berm that weren't out there for OTAs and mini camps and they don't get all the behind the scenes. Who he's is gonna Jackson? Be special. He's yeah, going to who- be special. I knew you were going to ask about him. He's going to be special. Um, he's going to make a lot of plays for us this year, and I just can't, you know, wait for everybody to see what he does in training camp and, uh, you know, for him to experience the 12s um, and 80,000 fans screaming at him every time he scores a touchdown. So he's going to be very special for us in his offense. Who is his game? I mean, we've seen Doug Baldwin. We know Doug mm-hmm. Baldwin. You've been around it. You've been around great receivers. You train with great receivers. If you were to kind of compare and contrast his traits and his game, who is it? Uh, well, I really don't like comparing and contrasting people because I think, you know, Jackson is his own, his own person and he's going to make his own lane, uh, you know, to be his own great receiver. Um, but, you know, a lot, I hear a lot of Doug uh, ball with comparisons, but uh, I think Doug and Jackson are, are two uh, completely different receivers. Um, you know, Doug played outside um, and he would, you know, go in and block and block the ends. And um, I think Jackson is more of a finesse receiver and, you know, he's going to get his, his nose dirty a little bit, but... Um, you know, he will shake you and, and he can definitely finesse you in, uh, when he run, when he's running routes. So, um, you know, I, I think Jackson is his own player, his how own does, person. How does it affect you to have him there? I mean, what, what will that do to open things up for you and doing your job? Uh, well, you got to worry about uh, Kim Walker, uh, Zach um, and DJ Dallas in the backfield. Then you have to worry about Tyler Lockett on the other side of the field and then you got to worry about Jackson in, in the middle. Um, so it's just going to open up everybody else in the offense. And, uh, you know, hopefully teams start uh, to really play us man and, and uh, you know, t- pick their poison this year. you got to run to a meeting. You're not going to be late for your first meeting in the training camp. But, right. I, but I, I need to know this. I mean, I, I need clarification. Been a lot said about this on, on in the noise outside. Your diet. Can you clarify today what <laughs> yes, your sir. diet really is? So that was a video from last year right, when yep. I was really, KG. Yeah, yeah, when I was eating like that. But then after that video, I realized how many kids I was messing up um, and how many kids really tried to use that diet and, and it wasn't working, uh, you know, to their best benefit. I had a lot of moms and dads in my DMs <laughs> like, why did you do this to my kids? So, um, no, I eat twice a day. I still skip breakfast. Um, I've laid off the candy, you know, a lot, um, but I still drink my coffee uh, once right. a day. Do you go see Taylor Swift? Uh, no, sir. I'm not. A, I'm not a Swift. You're not a Swift. Sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not. Man, I'm it was not. loud in there, man. I got to tell I'm you, higher sure, pitch yeah. than for a Seahawks. Yeah, he's got to. He's got to go. He's got to go. All right. can't we got to let DK go. Thank you, DK. Thank you, DK. Thank you for All the right, shorts information. I'm going to yes, try sir. that myself. Appreciate it. That was DK Metcalf uh, joining us yesterday before Brock made me uh, let him go, which I thought was, you know, quite frankly, rude the way he interrupted <laughs> what I, I felt like was a budding relationship. But okay. Do you? Um, do you believe him? About the men's warehousing? No, about the candy. Oh. And about the diet. You think he stopped his diet? Like, I believe that he's saying it because it's a, obviously, you know. Well, he admitted in that All Things Covered podcast when he first said he changed it that um, he still indulges every now and then in the candy. I would he think. didn't say he completely gave yeah. it up. He said he but, cut back. But he was saying he was ordering like, what, four or five bags of candy a day and having them delivered before something. I, I believe that he No cut- wonder he can only afford to go to Men's Warehouse for his tux. <laughs> he's spending all his money on DoorDash or whatever. All right. Good stuff from DK. And uh, I, I can sit here and react to that for a while, especially the whole shorts thing. 
thing. But I want to make sure we have some time for more to tell us what she saw. She spent hours getting over to training camp and back yesterday. She saw quite a bit at practice. So let's get some takeaways. Bumping Stacy. Weekdays no. 10 to 2. You got Not the trade bumping deadline, Stacey's of course. Are they going to be four? Take those away. Was, get those takeaways yeah, out of here. not what I was trying to do there. Let's get those takeaways out of here. We need more as takeaways. Bump and Stacy will get their turn at 10 o'clock. They'll get to come on and talk all about whatever it is they saw at practice yesterday. But today, right now... I'm stalling so that Maura can find her own music for her own takeaways, and I can't. <laughs> well, you asked talk me if I wanted to do this last minute. I'm trying slower than I'm trying to not trigger a break for our affiliates. There's more that goes on behind here than there you realize. Is? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Big up. <laughs> I just want to say I did a great job of stalling there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I put them in a spot that I thought would work, and it did not. Sorry for the fail, guys. All right, let's rock and roll. What did you see yesterday, Mora? Uh, first up, uh, Julian Love looked pretty good. Had a uh, heads-up interception off of Gino when um, he threw a pass over the middle to DK, and it kind of uh, bounced out of DK's hands. We haven't talked about right him at all. To Julian Love, no, at all, like no. zero. And um, I yeah, he really seems to to be. Near the ball a lot. We are going to eventually get to him in our uh, top 25 most intriguing list and probably shame on us for not talking more about him. He's going to get a little opportunity here right off the bat with Jamal, excuse me, with Jamal Adams not not practicing and not ready to go just yet. But, I mean, they spent some money on this, dude. It's always interesting when you spend money on a guy at a position where it seems like you've already invested quite a bit. They got to like him. Right, And they've had some success with guys like him. The, the name that I keep thinking about, and I haven't really seen enough of him yet to know if this is a comp, is Bradley McDougal. Yeah. Like when they brought in Bradley McDougal, kind of felt like, oh, that's not necessarily a need. And then like he just got better and better and really became a key figure here in this defense for a few years till he kind of aged out of it. I wonder if Julian Love is going to be the next Bradley McDougal. Hearing them talk about him, yeah, I think they really feel like they identified something in him before he's fully blossomed into what they envision. And um, uh, Stacey was telling me yesterday at camp, too, that um, Bump and Stacey talked to him and that he's just, like, so down to earth and yeah. fun to talk to. Huge golf guy. Mm-hmm. Big golf fan. I guess he was like, you get him on. yeah, my wife and I just like to go out to eat a lot, so if anyone has any recommendations, so <laughs> people can hit him up on Twitter and let him know. Let him but, know whether he should eat. Um, yeah. Right. Seems like a nice guy, looking pretty good out there. I think he's maybe a little smaller and faster than McDougal. But, um, Two yeah. years, twelve million. Some, I mean, that's not nothing. Well, at a that's position also where you've already invested in in Jamal Adams. Yeah, but I think it's also insurance for Jamal Adams. Takeaways. Uh, Evan Brown seemed to be working as Gino's center with the ones for the most part. Although Timmy was with the twos most of the day. Um, I did see Gino have uh, at the very beginning one snap go soaring over his head in the shotgun, and then I there was another high snap that I caught later. I think that was Evan Brown too. I couldn't mm. see um, I don't like that. because Gino was in, so I, I think he was with him the whole time. Um, Gino wrangled that one, but um, yeah, it does seem like overall things looked pretty pretty smooth. Um, when they were getting the plays off, but it, there's probably some chemistry to still get down. You think he, uh, you know, was struggling with the noise from the berm? Yeah. <laughs> affecting him out there. It's like, hey, man, you got to go silent count. I can't hear anything over the noise from the fans berm over there. did look more full than last year, though. Like we said, Good to hear. people seem to be a little 
a little nervous last year when Russ was gone, how it was gonna, how things were gonna be, and it was it was quiet on the berm at were first. You, were you surprised that Brock yesterday said he was hoping that Evan Brown won that competition? I was a little surprised. Yeah. Like to me, don't you want the rookie to win it? Like Evan Brown's kind of just a guy. That's not to say that he can't be successful, especially short term in this scheme. Like that's kind of at times all they've looked for out of the center in this scheme. And what they had last year was not a whole lot better. But I'm kind of hoping of all the rookie, not maybe not of all of them, but I'm really hoping he is a rookie that kind of exceeds our expectations for him right off the bat takes an opportunity, runs with it, and becomes your starting center for, like, the next eight years. It's been a position of hell for this team ever since Max Unger was traded. They've gone through, like, nine guys at that spot. They're constantly going through new ones. I would love for Oluwatimi to just take the job, have it be his, right out of camp, and just be the center. Well, Shane Waldron essentially said what you just said without being that elaborate with it, you know, that they they really need someone to, they need consistency. They need someone to step in and take that job for years to come. Um, I think maybe the only reason Brock feels that way, and I I think about this too, is just that it does take so much communication. You've already got some young guys on the line, and so maybe you kind of want the guy that's been doing it a little bit more. But from everything we've heard, one of the strengths of Oluwatimi is communication. Um, And it's one of the things they liked about him coming out of college. So, I mean, if he if he gets it, then I would assume that they're pretty confident he can handle that. Works for me. Works for me. Takeaways. All right, we'll go with uh, the receivers here. First off, Jackson Smith and Jigba looks quicker on yeah. the field than he gets credit for. I was I was reading uh, our friend Lance Airlines draft profile on him, and he wrote, "He's a possession slot receiver who lacks the shake to separate underneath and the speed to run past defenses." But I don't know. I sent you guys a video. I don't know if you saw it from yesterday. One of his catches. Once he caught the ball and broke free, like he's, I, I think some people it just doesn't translate as much in a forty as it does on on field, and um, I think he looks like he'll be just fine. I've watched him play any number of games in college, and I've never watched him and said, "Oh, that guy's not fast enough." He's always open. His hands are incredible. So I guess his route running and his catching ability have sort of been his calling cards. But I don't think there's any issue with speed there at all. What do they say? I think someone texted in earlier that after listening to DK talk about him yesterday, they're excited for short area quickness. I mean, after listening to DK interrupt us to rave about him, (laughs) that doesn't happen every day with every kind of a player. And so, yeah, I I am super pumped for Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's one of my favorite players I've watched in college. Every time I watched him, he stood out. And the fact that the Seahawks got him and that he's a pretty good kid, that's pretty, pretty great combination. You can roll your eyes at this right, one if you on. want. Let's go more. But D. Eskridge was the star on offense he yesterday. He was? Uh, he stood out the most. He had a, a touchdown catch that he had to fight um, for on a deep ball. Um, that one's from Locke. Uh, he also broke a big run after catch on a screenplay. Um, he, he just looks explosive. All right. Well, I Pete, mean, I don't... Pete agrees with you. He really... He really uh... He's a special player. He's a special athlete. He's got explosiveness that's unique. Uh, he's really strong for a smaller guy. He's not a big guy, but he's really, really strong um, and very explosive. And so we're um, we're really excited to just have him back out here practicing with us because if he stays with us and he can stay on the field and, and be out there, he's going to be a factor. 
And we'll see. I mean, obviously that that part of it has been a challenge for him. Staying on the field, being active. He's been one of those guys who every time it looks like he might burst onto the scene, he's stuck in neutral with another injury. So we'll see whether or not this is his time. Obviously, I'm rooting for it to happen. They spent a second round pick on him. It's not like it was nothing. He's a second round pick with 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 some legitimate talent, speed, explosiveness, etc. But I just have to have to see it before I truly believe it. Where does he rank in speed of the on this team? Yeah, on this team. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, get a chance to see it. DK's pretty fast. And I, me- I remember listening but to. It's Bumble. not just the speed. He's really Slippery? elusive. Like, okay. Yeah. I remember listening to Bump a while ago talk about like forty times and how little it matters. Right. It's like when are you running forty? Well, of course, like, Bump straight. said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when are you running forty? Bump's still trying to no prove that he can play you. in the NFL. He's like, dude, forty times don't mean anything. You know what matters? Experience. It matters how how well you know the game. Uh, you mentioned the screen pass. They ran a bunch of them. Pete was impressed, but offered a little caveat. You know, defense is letting them run. Okay, so. Uh, they're not tackling him. So, um, but it was really good to see that, and good to see Eskridge get out on one. I think uh, uh, Jax might have got out on one. Also, um, it's it's part of you know it's part of our offense. We've had this stuff in for, forever, but um, to see it first day hit and, and click like that, that was really good. It was really sharp. Did you notice the screens as well? Yeah, because it definitely seemed like they were focusing on it, not only in the um, in the. F- the full scrimmage, but in the one-on-one drills, they were having some of the running backs work on them too. Hmm. Um, I know it's been kind of the bane of their existence for years now. It would well, be I mean, they're just so, terrible at them. So nice if they could get them working. And to his point, like they did look good yesterday, but it is just practice. You can't really. make them work unless you practice them. You can't make them work unless you make it a part of who you are. They've always seemed to be somewhat resistant to do that. Probably a self-fulfilling prophecy because they never work, but. Hey, I mean, they seem to work against the Seahawks very well. And if it can help your offensive line and everything else that they're trying to do, I'm all for it. Well, and you got you went out and got some running backs that can catch. And you like if if Eskridge stays healthy and you've got him and Jackson Smith, and Jake, but you have some receivers, you may want to find some creative ways to work into this offense. So it's there's no like a perfect... reason this shouldn't work. You've yeah. got offensive linemen who can move. You've got running backs who can catch. You've got wide receivers set up for this. And you've got a quarterback who's taller than Russ was like, there's no reason why this shouldn't work for this team. So good on them for trying to make it work yesterday. Give me one more. You got like 30 seconds. Quick one. Okay. I got rid of the last bed. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> let me go up here. Oh, uh, mostly just uh, watching the corners. Trey Brown and Mike Jackson uh, started at cornerback because, you know, they, they don't have Witherspoon right now. Right. And Tariq Woolen's still sitting out. It was good to see him out there, though. And um, Carol said that he's very close to being back. Uh, and then Kobe Bryant was r- running at nickel. Glad he's back, too. And then, it, yeah, it was interesting to hear Pete Carroll say that when um, Witherspoon is back, they're gonna, they're both gonna keep competing at nickel. Oh, he he still wants them to compete. That's interesting. I, I don't know if I would have guessed that. So he still <laughs> wants the competition to continue, huh? He's not just gonna hand the job. <laughs> interesting. Well, but we weren't, ex- we weren't expecting Witherspoon to start at nickel. And no, so we, and we I, thought he was maybe practicing there just because Bryant was hurt in OTAs. Well, again, I don't think he's going to be there. Well, I think the reason he'll play nickel is that he starts at, at the outside cornerback spot. Yeah. And then in a nickel spot, oh, then they'll bring in Mike Jackson. I think the real competition is between Mike Jackson and Kobe Bryant to see whether Kobe's better at nickel 
or Jackson is better at the outside. But mm-hmm. we'll see how it all works out, man. Good stuff. Thank you, Maura, for braving the trip over to the VMAC yesterday. <laughs> Sweat was worth it. Yes. Sweat <laughs> equity Sweating. For real. It really Sweat wasn't equity. that hot. I just didn't dress appropriately. My, my phone told me it was going to be like 10 degrees cooler than it was. I don't know how many times we've asked you to dress appropriately here at the building, <laughs> and yet again, you go out and embarrass us in public. Dude, the facility? I mean, Maura, you, you, you represent us. Please see if you could get this together. Boring. All right. Brock is in next. What does he make of Witherspoon not showing up yesterday? Does it take the focus away from Brock's one true enemy? It's next on Brock and Salk.